Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, what's up? I'm Poppy Ajuda and welcome to The Power in Us, a podcast where I use the songs of my debut album to propel into conversations around feminism, social change, mental health, empowerment, and so much more. So stay tuned for big chats with inspiring people. Get you down. Get you down. Get you down. Get you down. This episode is based around the song from my debut album called Demons and it is a song that talks about mental health but Generally speaking, I guess all of the pressures that the world puts on us and how that affects our mental health. Hey Kins, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, Excited to have you on, really excited to chat on this topic. Part of what inspired me to write the song was a conversation that I had with um, someone who always seemed like such a rock to me, someone who was always like very like strong, always okay and then we had a conversation which I realized that actually they had their own mental health struggles they just expressed it differently to me and it inspired me to write that song and I wanted to have you on because you know you are an incredible DJ for those who don't know but also you have a podcast and you talk about I guess self-liberation in your podcast it's about like identity and about people expressing who they are and that being inspiring to others who may not yet feel comfortable in themselves. And to me, that is so interconnected with mental health. What inspired you to start your podcast? Initially, it actually started with a playlist I made in like 2019 because I knew of so many queer women and non-binary musicians and artists that were popping up. Mm. That It was just like, I had never seen or known so many who were very open about their identity. And I realized all of the playlists that were like queer artists and pride and, you know, gay club, whatever the hell, they were all very much the same artists on those. It was like, Mm. you know, Lady Gaga and Sam Smith and Britney Spears types. And then, (laughs) just the, the kind of expected ones. Yeah. And that was sort of it. The accessible, the commercial. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, there should really be a space that highlights and amplifies the queer women and non-binary and gender non-conforming artists that are all here. There's, mm. you know, of all levels, there's people who are like at the top, like a Kehlani, and then there's people who are like super buzzy just starting. So I made that. And then um, 
at the top of 2020, I was like really wanting to start a podcast. And I realized I know a lot of the people on this playlist. (laughs) And I know, and they're all like, you know, really good friends of mine. And we have these conversations around the struggles we had when we were younger and the struggles that we have now. And kind of like you were saying in that your song that you wrote, it's like, People who seem like they have it all together don't. Does anybody have it all together? (laughs) Yeah, but people really assume that um, artists or people they look up to or entertainers or whatever, they just see them in this very like glowy, beautiful light. Mm. And I feel like it's really helpful to hear from those people that you think have it all together so that you can be like, oh God, they struggle maybe I'm not alone in my struggles. And if they can get to where they are and they can, you know, go through their own journeys of self-liberation and growth and evolution and dream chasing and authenticity and all that, like if they can do it, I can totally do it because they were where I am now. Mm. And I I also think like so many creative people, that creativity often comes from being misunderstood or struggling in some way or trying to find answers to who you are. So it's almost a no-brainer that they would also experience all of those things that everybody experiences. And we all kind of see this highlight reel of our lives, and of, of our lives and everyone else around us. And of course, you're gonna show the best bits of, of your experience in the world because those are the bits people wanna see. But yeah, I think it can really warp, especially with the internet and internet generation of like hyper-focus on every little bit of everybody's lives. I feel like, our mental health is such a big conversation that goes alongside our self-acceptance in a world that kind of might teach us to reject a lot of the things that seem natural to us. I mean, I think people that fit into the box of, I don't know, heteronormativity or patriarchy or or whatever it is, it might be slightly easier to navigate the world in which you don't feel constantly like you're being rejected. But even those people feel rejected in different ways because the boxes that are created, they just can't, like we're too complex as people to fit into them. Yeah, nobody fits in them. No one fits in them. Yeah, exactly. So would you identify as queer or or lesbian? Lesbian, yeah. I feel like very few people use the, the term these days. I feel like, yeah, so I'm like, I'm holding on to that shit. yeah I guess so I guess queerness came when I was at uni that was like a word that I heard and I was like oh like this is like a new thing and it felt less boundaried or it it felt less yeah rigid I also feel like there's a lot of stigma uh, connected to the word lesbian or there was yeah I don't know about you for you growing up but for me growing up that was like not a good word I mean I think any any labels that fall under the LGBTQIA plus 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 category have a lot of stigma. Yeah. It's really interesting now in the last like however many years though, um, there is the stigma that there's a lot of like turfy mm. trans exclusionary lesbians. Oh, and yeah. that is like that's gross. Mm. That's super gross to me. Um and is a fucking bummer. But I feel like queer is the umbrella and like lesbian lives under the umbrella. So it can be all. It's interesting what you were just saying about, I don't know, like maybe lesbian being like a more traditional term and queerness being a more modern term. So the idea that if you're a lesbian, you might be, you might have more conservative views. How do you think your sexuality 
has affected your mental health? Like how's your your journey of your sexuality, of discovering your sexuality, experiencing it in the world, how does that affect your mental health on an everyday level? I think it um, there's multiple multiple facets to that in some ways. It's quite a big question. I feel so grounded. Yeah, I feel like I'm able to be grounded in myself because I'm, you know, living truthfully and being able to love who I love and, you know, have the community I have. And I think also the, when you kind of reject one of the parts of the like grand narrative of life, the expectations to be, you know, the, what the standards that we have societally, like, you know, to get married and have a baby and marry and be a nice little wife to a husband, like all of that. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and all, all, all of the other fucking rules, when you kind of reject one of them, then you see all the other rules that life has are pretty bullshit. You see the constructedness of them. Of everything, yeah. So you get the permission to like build your life the way you want it. And I think that's really, really awesome and freeing to me. Um, so I get to really decide if I want to partake in a tradition or an expectation or, you know, something that may be um, more normal and common in society. It's a choice versus a default. So that is really freeing. But then I think... Yeah, but then obviously there's the downsides. It's fucking scary. Um, hate crimes are not fun. <laughs> there's a lot of discrimination. It's getting really fucking dicey over here in the States, like more than ever. Like I just woke up to another bill that some psycho in Florida is trying to pass. Like just a, he, like he's on one. All these other states are going. So it's fucking scary. Yeah, it's scary in America. Yeah. Yeah. All the changes that feel quite recent. Mm -hmm. It's like rolling. It feels a little like fast. a dog with a bone. It's fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, it is really scary. I think that's also our move globally towards the right wing, basically. Like there's, I feel like there's like a global shift to be much more conservative. And I just, I guess society is becoming more polarized as we self-express and self-accept there's always going to be a reaction and I think that's yeah that's a scary thing but I, I just think it's it's really I don't know important to talk about that like how you feel now but even how you felt about your sexuality 10 years ago to how you feel now might be different depending on how you feel towards it and where you are in your life and what your experiences are and I don't know the pressures of other people as well um do you feel like that's changed over time? Um, I've always been kind of like, this is it. And I'm not going to try and um, force myself to be anything because other people expect it to be that way. I definitely had my own like, who am I? Let's explore it journey. But I came out when I was 15. So like I did that young and I figured my shit out. So I've kind of been like, this is it. This is who we are. And it's so interesting. I think that that extra time that you've had really makes a difference. Like when I speak to people who came out later or like 10 years later than that, to people who came out in the beginning of their life, they've had so much more time to become comfortable with who they are and become grounded in it. Definitely. I mean, it's, it's, such, a, it's such a journey. And I think um, I'm really grateful to have realized that very early on in my, like, I mean, I, I, 
not, I wouldn't say it was adulthood. I was 15, but like, that was really when I started to date and like explore love and romance and sex and all those things. So to not have to go through too much of the wrong thing and, you know, trial and error, to not have to go through too much of that was a blessing. And I got to just like find myself and my community really young, which is, yeah, so helpful. Yeah, amazing. I've always, because I didn't come out until I was maybe like 23. And I've always, I mean, I'm queer or like bi or queer, whatever you want to call it. But I've always found that almost more confusing because if there was like one choice, I think that might be easier. Yeah, our brains like boxes. <laughs> I feel like that's the constant issue of my life is like feeling like I have to choose in some way or feeling the pressure of the outside world telling me that I'm, I have to choose. Yeah. Or even like yeah. when I have came out and had been open about certain types of relationships and all of those things. And even when my family had been comfortable with who they thought I was or who I was telling them I, I am, I still feel like they would quite just like me to be straight. It's like, there's still, still a bit of that. Like, they're just like, okay, yeah, I know, but you're, just, you're gonna find such a nice man. And I'm like, or, or woman. And they're like, what? <laughs> I, we thought that was over. No, <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, don't get your hopes up. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, do you feel like in terms of heritage, that is a constant conversation or have you had to negotiate that like who you are and how you express it and and how did that play out for you from like a cultural perspective or like a family perspective god it was that was a thing that was a that was a thing um because <laughs> my my dad's an iranian immigrant mm. and when I, I was very much like i came out I chopped my hair off so I had a mullet and like a shaved side and was like doing all the things. I was like, I'm gay and I'm different. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because that's me now. <laughs> I was very visibly, like visibly alternative, you know, and mm. my dad's super traditional and conservative. And so I was like, sorry um here i am <laughs> yeah and and i know that was really difficult um because you know of course i think that's something that i've really learned with time which i think is really helpful for a lot of people here is we want to be accepted right we want we want the people we love to love us back for who we are as a whole but sometimes we share something and it goes against their lifetime of expectations and beliefs yeah so and everything they've been taught. Right. So sometimes we get lucky and they're just like, fuck it, throw the book out of all the things that I, you know, expected out of life. I'm, you know, I'm here, I'm game. But then for some people, it takes time to rewrite all these lines and go through and edit their book of beliefs. It just takes time. And also maybe the loss of the idea of what they thought they would have in their life or in their family or. Exactly. Yeah. What their life would look like. Mm -hmm. like let them grieve that loss in that whatever that feels like for them yeah yeah and and also like you know it took it took a very long time for for my um my dad to come to where he is now like he's like homies with my girlfriend mm, that's so nice but up until literally like up until three years ago we were still very don't ask don't tell like we don't talk about it and even if i tried it was kind of like we it just wouldn't you know wouldn't go anywhere um, 
And it wasn't until my relationship now where I'm like, let's get on board. She's really not going anywhere. So she's not going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is this is it. And he was like, oh fuck, there was like what what was I so scared of? And now it's like it's so easy. But I think um it's really difficult going through the process of feeling like you have to walk on eggshells around people you love and kind of censor stories that you're sharing about your life. And um, I used to play the pronoun game where I'm like, I had my girl, my first girlfriend that I was so in love with and she f- was a fucking nightmare for me, but <laughs> I wanted to talk about whatever. And I felt like I was using they, them way back in the day because mm. I was trying to mask that my partner was a woman. Be ambiguous. Yeah. And then they were like, why are you saying they, them all the time? So it's, it's hard, um, but I'm really grateful because I think it taught me to be very compassionate and empathetic of where people come from instead of expecting them to just magically be on board. Like, it's just not realistic. So. Yeah, and I, I think also when you get older, you see your at least your parents as people, and that I think when you're a child, you see them differently, and then when you can see someone as as just another human with experiences, I mean, obviously it depends on on what your relationship is and if telling them is going to be dangerous or not, and that's a different conversation. Right. But yeah. I think like being able to have difficult conversations. And obviously we shouldn't have to have them about who we are and it shouldn't be an issue, but it's, it's acknowledging that, especially like more traditional backgrounds, that they're coming from a different mindset about how the world should be. And that doesn't mean they don't love you. It just means that like, it's hard for them. I mean, also like what old person is easy at changing like the way they do things? Anything. Like anything. Literally, yeah, they can change. <laughs> like, and you want them to accept you're gay. <laughs> when they like won't even like fold their clothes differently because like oh my god yeah 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 do you know what i mean it's unfortunately <laughs> parents are very stubborn people god. but yeah i think it's interesting to like hear that story about how we navigate those conversations and how we cannot be triggered when having them because ultimately you have to be who you are in life you have to at some point you have to be honest with yourself about who you are and whether it's when you're 15 or when you're 23 or when you're 45 is going to come out at some point because no one can hide from their own truth one thing that was really helpful for me like phrase wise when having to confront those difficult conversations and the coming outs and the like why can't you just be normal type of stuff that comes at you because it, people really, you know, unfortunately think it's a choice. They're like, oh, you're just choosing this. But it really is the choices between being happy or living a lie and being miserable. So that's what I, I started asking. I'm like, these are my only choices. Which one do you want me to make? As my parent who should want the best for me, would you rather me choose to live a lie, be absolutely miserable for the rest of my life so you can have that comfortable idea of what, you know, things look like on the outside? Or do you want me to choose authenticity and my truth so that I can be happy and have, you know, find love and find a family? Like, which one do you want me to make? It, it's your call. And any parent that's like, yeah, live a lie and be fucking miserable, well, fuck them. Did you have that conversation at 15? No, that one. You didn't have that, com- that conversation at 15. That feels very articulate. <laughs> that, one, that one came a little later. That one came, <laughs> that came in my early 20s. Okay. 
but still okay nice yeah yeah it's funny that you said that about um you had your hair like cut all cut off and I (laughs) I had the exact same thing where I guess I was going through that kind of rejection of social norms rejection of what I felt like a woman should be or what was seen as attractiveness for a woman and therefore like I didn't have any value unless I presented in that way and that was I think more what I was rejecting but I had yeah I had cut off all my hair I had really long like I know girly hair before I had grown my armpit hair I guess I've always dressed quite boyish so to speak um and when I came out to my mum we were in the car and she screamed firstly which I thought was really dramatic and like over the top yeah yeah but <laughs> she screamed it's either screaming or silence it's rarely anything in between yeah do you know what I mean she screamed and then she went oh like it all makes sense your armpit hair and your hair like being cut off <laughs> like I was like um <laughs> I just thought that was so funny that she was like, yeah, well, you look like a lesbian now, so what? <laughs> not, not a surprise. Not as a, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. my God. Um, <laughs> it's, it's such a journey. But, yeah, I think ultimately we all strive to be in a place where we can accept ourselves and we can not feel that cognitive dissonance of trying to internalise kind of values that, that don't align with who we are, basically is where we're all trying to get to. Um, I listened to a podcast that I think that you, you, another one that you did, where you were talking about um, how lockdown and having time to yourself, or people having time to themselves affected how they viewed themselves or like how they identified or maybe just having the time to reflect outside of society. Yes, not in not in the way of not like around um, gender or or uh, sexuality or anything, because that uh, mine is so like settled and, you know, in stone at this point. Um, But I really did. Actually, I ended up getting diagnosed with ADHD because I finally had a chance to be like, oh, fuck, this is this is really loud right now. And my life before was so go, go, go. And, you know, put on, put on your like certain, you know, your mask and, um, just to push through and perform because I was performing every day, essentially, like my personality was a performance. I'm DJing. It's a performance. I'm going into an event or a party or being around people. And I had to constantly be very conscious and I got very used to doing that. And when, that finally wasn't a pressure and I was just kind of home with myself and my girlfriend. I was realizing a lot of things that were always there in the background and they got very loud. And I was like, fuck, this is kind of crazy and like it's uncomfortable. And I started learning more about um, just how ADHD presents in women. And I was like, oh my God, fuck, this explains a lot. I really think like this is a thing. I've heard a lot of people talk about this recently. So many, so many women like later in life getting diagnosed because we only hear about like how it presents in little boys. And I'm like, I don't have any of those symptoms, but I have literally every single other one that could be possible. It was really interesting to find that out um, about myself. And I got really emotional because I was like, fuck, all my life, all these things that were so hard, like they didn't need to be this hard these things aren't hard for everybody. Like I thought maybe I'm lazy or like, I don't know. I'm just so sensitive. Like, I didn't know. 
Why has it become easier? What have you done differently since finding that out? Oh, I got a medication. Ah, okay. And what did that do for you? Night and day. Night. I was like, oh my God, is this what it's like for everybody else? I'm like, is this what it's like for your brain to like cooperate? It's more like that. Like if I need to sit down and do something, mm. I can just sit down and do the thing I need to do. When before, if I really <laughs> needed to do something, yeah. I would have to play fucking mind games with myself to even get to sit down. And then I'd have to start. And by the time I start, I was already tired from like jumping through hoops to convince myself that I can do this right now. That's like me every day at the moment. <laughs> I just, I always thought that it, it was just like burnout or being kind of over, overstimulated. It is, but that's the thing that comes with ADHD is like, it's massive overstimulation because your brain is going at 90 miles an hour all the time. Mm. that by the time you actually need to do something, you're fucking burnt out and you can't focus. And it's already hard to focus. So then it's like, oh, fuck. So I don't have that anymore. And my overstimulation's chilled out a lot. Like I can just, yeah, I can just chill. I can just be still and like be grounded without having an anxiety spiral. It's nice. <laughs> On that point, you were talking, I, I heard something where you said that you meditate before shows. Do you meditate before shows? Did I hear that right? Yeah, yeah, just because I get, I still get really nervous too, so. Yeah, me too. I get super nervous before any show, big or small. I'm like, don't even chat to me. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not going to eat the whole day and do not chat to me like an hour before the show. There's no point. Yeah. I'm like in my head. But it, I just thought it was interesting. One, because I really struggle to meditate because my my inner voice is very loud all the time. And I, and I feel like more and more I get sometimes intrusive thoughts, but also just like depending on even my hormone cycle, the style of the inner voice <laughs> changes. <laughs> the inner voice gets quite evil during my period. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I just thought that was really interesting. And do you have that kind of inner voice that kind of maybe affects your mental health? And how do you quieten it? I've definitely learned to um, hold myself back before I let whatever voice that is take over because before I used to be able to or before if a thought would come up some something negative or a you know self-deprecating or stressful or whatever it was almost like I, there was like two two doors and I could go in this one that had a slide down into a fucking spiral of just chaos and feeling like shit or I could choose to go the other way and like flip my perspective and reframe it and find some way to feel okay about whatever I was feeling. And now I've gotten to the point and like meditation and just mindfulness in general has helped me take a pause before I choose which door I'm going through. Because before it would just be like, let's fucking go through the bad one and just jump down in there in the dark. But now I have a second to pause and be like, how do I want to deal with this right now? Do I want to let myself feel like shit for a minute? Which is fine. It's fine to let yourself feel like shit. But I have a plan of action to pull myself out of that shitty feeling if I'm going to let myself sit in it. Where did you learn the tools to kind of deal with your own mind? Because it feels like something that you have to think about doing it. I think like for me, when I have an, a negative voice in my mind, it almost happens without me thinking about it. It just like kind of automatic and I have to like recognize it. And then like, I speak to myself in a positive way to try and rebalance it and to try and change my mindset. 
but I feel like I that didn't happen automatically before. I mean, I think for a lot of people, we we hear we have all our different voices, right? All, it's it's kind of like we all have multiple personalities, but like not in a disordered way. Um, but yeah, usually we hear whatever voice is talking, we run with it. And learning to take a step back and being like, who's talking right now? Is that the me that maybe felt like they weren't good enough because of X, Y, Z things that happened when I was, you know, eight years old? Or is it the me that's talking that, you know, went through some other thing later in life? Or which, which, and then which of those voices is the most grounded, like higher version most evolved version of me. Let me listen to that one. And also gonna like, gonna make me feel the best about myself so that I can be functional and be productive in the world as like a, a positive, useful person. I love therapy, I've been in therapy forever. And I, I've tried all these different modalities, like different types of therapy. And one that I found really, really interesting is called internal family systems. And they kind of break out all of these parts of your personality or your inner voice or your behavioral responses, thought process, whatever. It's like they give each of those voices a, a role, like a family member role. Like that's your protective fatherly figure. That's your nurturing mother. That is your scared, you know, six-year-old self that was getting bullied on the, the playground. And this is your, you know, angsty teenage self, whatever. So when you hear those things, you kind of know who's stepping in when you're feeling something and you can be like, okay, that's my protective whatever being triggered. And I guess it allows you to separate it from yourself, which is probably really useful. Super, super. And you can kind of tell those things like, all right, you know what? I get why you're doing this right now. I get why you're trying to protect me or why you're scared and think that everyone hates you. But like, we actually don't need that right now. That's your default, but like, we don't actually need that right now. So you can go chill out. It's going to be okay. Or like, I'm good. I don't need to be protected right now. Let's like take the walls down for a second. So it's really helpful to kind of zoom out from yourself. Yeah. And have the, the tools, I guess, to change your reality, because it's like whatever's going on in your mind is your reality in that moment. And that can be really scary if it's a panic attack or if it's like negative thoughts or you know any any even anything worse than that I think like it's having the power to be in control of your present moment which is what's so useful and what I love therapy for it makes you feel really empowered to understand yourself because we all kind of we're all kind of experiencing ourselves like even you just saying like your multiple voices it's like you're going through all these different emotions even in one day it's it's a lot for anybody to deal with and therapy can be so helpful in navigating that and understanding what you're carrying from your past or from your childhood or any of those things are you DJing at the moment yeah yeah I, I took a bit of a pause uh just because of the pandemic and I, I was scared to be out like that for a long time and and then I was socially scared to be out like that. Like I was scared for my health, but then I was like socially so anxious to be back in those settings. Um, but I'm just literally like getting back into it. Like I DJed last week for the first time in like six months or something. And I had so much fun, but after and the next day, 
I needed absolute silence. I told my girlfriend, I'm like, I love you so much, but can you just act like I can't see, or I can't speak or hear for the day. I like even talking would be so draining because I was just so, I was just so drained from being in that kind of setting and, and even like performing and all that. I had to get used to it again. Yeah, like in that industry, it was like that. It's like everybody, you really missed it. But then when you do the show, you're like, whoa, this is so overwhelming because you haven't, even for me as a singer, like I hadn't really, other than recording, I hadn't sung properly live in like a year and a half, two years. I was like, I had to learn how to sing again. It felt like it was such a um, crazy transition. And I, I still actually think that even though we've kind of thrown ourselves back into normal life again, I still have that about social environments and I'm a very like outgoing extroverted person but I feel really overwhelmed by social environments and like I feel quite socially awkward now when I never I don't think I used to be like awkward with interacting with people but I feel like that's a hangover from spending so much time not ha having to be on I think the most exhausting part of it is being perceived and we've been so used to either not being perceived or not being perceived in person, you know, having, having a screen up and it, we only show up on social media when we want to, and we're ready to, and we show what we want to show. But when you're in, you're performing in front of people, you're being vulnerable and fully perceived, no matter how you want to control it, everybody can see all of you for that long. And that's, really like it's hard you can't just turn your phone off or like walk into the other room like you're you're there once you're there you're there and that's it's it's like a muscle that needs to be retrained do you think your identity has changed in becoming a public figure like when you're being a public figure and being perceived more how does that change how you see yourself or how you think others see you it's kind of hard because i like i started djing over over 10 years ago and so I was kind of coming into my adulthood and exploring myself during those times anyways. So it's sort of hard to separate the two because I was figuring myself out while I'm being perceived at the same time versus knowing who I am and then perception changes and now I'm somebody different, you know? But I think having, having perception change um, and knowing that people are seeing all these facets of you it just adds a, a pressure um obviously it adds a pressure because you're being you're being judged in different ways even if you don't want to be and i think that that pressure can be challenging at times because it maybe pushes you to be like okay what parts of me are good enough to share and what parts do i not like and want to just kind of shove over there and then that highlights what you don't like about yourself. Yeah, and you start questioning these things. And it's like, why am I questioning myself? Like, why am I questioning my value? And, you know, just based off of, like, these stupid little things. And it's so it's so strange. I don't think humans were meant to have this much awareness of themselves and how they're perceived. And I think also it, um, it emphasizes, especially for women, I mean, everyone has it, but... It, like your internalized shame as well. I feel like you, the things that we don't want to show about ourselves, we actually can be quite ashamed of. Actually what that feeling is, is like a shame of being exposed for this thing that probably is very normal about yourself that 
you for some reason think isn't yeah that's really interesting and maybe when when you don't have to present in real life you it's easier to only show the parts of you that you you like yeah yeah or that just naturally come out in a moment when you're interacting with you know one person or a a group of close friends or people that know you or people that you've chosen to share yourself with you just are organically letting whatever parts of you come out come out and that's it but when you're thinking about hundreds of thousands of millions of people out there that can perceive you at any time you're like fuck what part do i put forward what part will they like in the most and what parts will the most people hate so let me tuck that back it's it's fucking weird (laughs) it's really fucking weird you end up micromanaging yourself basically yeah yeah it's bizarre it's annoying to have to even think about it i just want to make tunes and mind my business (laughs) like that's it i don't want to do any of those things it would be really nice one day if social media just disappeared honestly like i keep seeing stuff about that like it's the end of instagram and it's the end of and i'm like is it is it though it's not it's like there's there's still people on facebook like instagram's not going anywhere i was so i also wanted to talk about like change and and how you change as a person and how you transition and i've heard a lot of people speak about and I think I heard you speak about it as well, and that's kind of why I wanted to um, bring it up, the idea that you might have like a quarter life crisis or that you might have like this point in your life where your friends might change and maybe your idea of who you are might change. And um, even, I don't know, like your skin might change. Like I had a, a skin breakout for, oh, I have a skin breakout for for the last few years. And then I've been told by so many people that your skin starts to change and it might be like a hormonal change. And I guess maybe we don't always acknowledge how we all go through these different cycles of life. So then when it comes, you feel like, oh my God, what's happening? When actually it might be quite normal for a lot of people. Did you experience that or have you experienced that? For sure. Um, I, I mean, everybody I know has experienced some kind of quarter life crisis. And I think it coincides with like two things. Number one, your your brain is like fully formed, I think at 27. Oh, wow. But up until that point, like there's still, things are still changing and growing. So that happens. But also I think when we're growing up, there's a very serious idea when you are, you know, 18 or in high school, just getting started and like transitioning into adulthood almost everybody has an idea of this is what my life is going to be like before I hit 30, right? Before it was maybe, or I mean, for some people is like, I'm going to be married with kids and a house, or I'm going to be the CEO of a company and I'm going to be killing it and I'm going to be this and I'm going to be that. And once you get to around 25, 26, that's when reality hits and you have to be like, oh shit, the things that I thought I was going to have and the person I thought I was going to be by now or by 30 doesn't look like it's going to happen. Holy shit. What am I doing with my life? And it makes people kind of pause and take inventory of who they are, what's in their life. Yep. Yep. And it's fucking scary. It's really scary. It's either, you know, I'm not happy with my life right now. How do I change this? I don't like the people in my life. I don't like who I am. I'm, you know, I'm having mental health struggles. I don't like the way I look or my face is changing. My body's changing. Um, 
my career is not fulfilling. I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Like all of these, these things come up and it really shakes people up. And it's always good in a lot of ways. I can't say always, but most of the time, I think when people come out on the other side of it, it's stuff that has happened for the best. Like I went through a terrible relationship. Yeah. Like I, I went through such a terrible relationship that ended around, you know, 26 that absolutely fucking crushed me. I was a shell of a person and as difficult as that was, it changed my life for the better because I looked around and was like, I don't want this for the rest of my life. I don't want to be in these types of relationships. I don't want to be this type of person. I want to be stronger. I want to be more grounded. I want to be, you know, whatever. And I was like, how do I do that? Let me get my ass in therapy and figure it out. And I did. And slowly things started to change. But that's incredible. And I think sometimes you have to, if you're just in a comfortable bubble, you never question if all the th decisions you've made up until that point align with who you want to be for the next 10 or 20 years. We don't always want to look that far in the future, but the decisions we make today affect who we become. And sometimes when things really don't align with who we want to be, that's when we actually create change, which is incredible, but also really scary. I feel like I've been going through that kind of transition for a while I'm ready to not be in that transition anymore. I'm ready for the transition to end. But that thing of like evaluating who you are and who you want around you and how you want to feel. I think being realizing that you have the choice to feel in certain ways and that is very much dictated by who you have around you and what you receive and, and what information you're taking in and all of those things. So yeah, I think it's important to talk about because I think as you said, like everybody goes through it or, or a majority of people go through it. But I think it can feel quite scary when maybe a lot of the things that you thought were part of your core identity don't feel like they fit anymore. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think too, another aspect or another reason for it is in your early 20s, you're kind of just like having fun, you know, like you're like, I'm young and I'm having fun and doing all these fun things. And not really thinking about long-term implications as much. You're partying, you're just like living your life, which, you know, you should, but it makes it so much more uh, just shocking when that part of your life winds down and you stop and take a look around and it's suddenly, it's not just fun party time anymore. Like life is fucking moving forward whether I want it to or not and I have to pay attention. Being an adult is a long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's, being an adult is just like I find so overwhelming sometimes I I would love to be like 12 again yeah <laughs> sometimes yeah. I'm just like this is a lot yeah too much responsibility <laughs> just in the, on the topic of mental health and just in kind of aid of what the song's about and trying to be compassionate and aware of other people's struggles and where they're at and maybe seeing that everybody expresses that in different ways and how you show up in in your journey might not be how your closest friend or your family shows up and I, I feel like especially post the pandemic and everything I've experienced a lot of people around me going through stuff um, I have a lot of people in my life going through grief at the moment um, I have a lot of people in my life that are struggling and I was actually listening to something where um, someone was talking about 
there's a lot of self-help that we can do there's a lot of like advice on how to like be a better person but there isn't a lot of advice about how to help others and like how to be there for a friend and how to know what to say and all of those kind of things and so I'd I'd love to talk about like how do you show up for the people that you love and like what kind of tools could you give other people in terms of being able to see someone else and be there for them and support them I'm I'm very much the the friend that like checks in on people all the time. I used to like want to be a therapist when I was a kid. So I'm very like, what do you need? What can I do? Um, and I obviously, I, I don't like seeing the people I love struggling or suffering. So if there's anything I can do, I do it. Almost to a fault where I'm like, I want to fix things. And sometimes I have to face that I can't fix things. It's finding that balance though. I feel that is so important of being able to support a friend, but also not overextend yourself because your own mental health is really important. And also not always try and fix because you can't save other people. They have to do the work themselves. I think a couple of the things that are most helpful, in my opinion, are number one, not everybody is going to want help the way you do. Like my version of people showing up for me may be one thing, but my friend may be need me might need me to show up in a different way. They may need space. They may need me to just drop off food and leave them alone. Or, you know, they may need me to fucking be there with them all weekend or something like that. So figuring out what it is the person in your life needs or trying to kind of understand that based off of their personality is really important. Um, asking, just straight up asking, what do you need right now? And understanding that most of the time people may not know what they need. So what I do is when I'm checking in on somebody, I'll, or if they reach out to me, they're having a hard time. I, I kind of give them a, like, do you need advice right now? Do you just want to like unload and just like word vomit and vent so that you feel better? Do you need a distraction? Like what, what sounds good for you right now? That's such an amazing thing to ask. Yeah. Cause when it's overwhelming to be like, I don't know what I fucking need right now, but a distraction advice or just unloading, it's usually one of those or just food. He needs to eat, like <laughs> need a hug, like there's simple food helps. Yeah. Yeah. Those simple things, asking those things I think helps because you can't go wrong there. And I think assuming that somebody's okay or assuming the type of help somebody needs isn't always the best. Mm. And and it can often, I don't know, sometimes it can make you feel worse if you reach out to someone, but then what they offer you isn't maybe what you need in that moment. And you feel that they're trying to be loving, but it, it isn't the right thing that you need at that moment. And yeah, I mean, obviously everything in life is about communication. And I think sometimes with our closest relationships, we don't do that because we feel we know someone so well. And so we almost want to perform our knowing of our friend or our family member or when actually it's like being able to have that conversation in right in the beginning means that you actually could do the, the work that you want to to help that person in reality, yeah. That's incredible. I even just like the other day, my girlfriend was having a hard time with something. I, I know her very well. We've been together four years and lived together. But she was having a day. She was like upset about something. And I was like, what do you need right now? Like, do you need a hug? Do you 
want me to just shut the fuck up and like let you be like do you want to go somewhere do you want to get out of the house and that that was helpful because she was able to be like I think I just need a hug and I was like all right done I can do that and that was it and it's also feeling cared for yeah feeling considered yeah is like half of when you're feeling down it's really nice to feel considered and to feel that someone else wants to cater to you in some way to make you feel better. It's like being consoled, I guess, to, to some extent. That's amazing. The last question that I ask everyone, um, because this is the power in us and this podcast is so much about how we can empower others by knowing our own strengths and being able to share them with the world. And you know, we can't, you can't share what you don't know. You have to really embody all the things that you believe to be great about yourself. Um, what is your unique power? Compassion. I think I'm learning how to use it uh, in safer ways because sometimes I would feel it to the point of it, it almost being crushing on me to understand somebody's pain or difficulties. But I think one of the most helpful things that has also just been a driving force for me in everything I do in my life is I am able to really feel and tap into what other people are going through and and try to anticipate needs and what I can do to cater to them and I think everybody could learn to just be a little bit more compassionate thanks for tuning in to the power in us a podcast based all around the topics of my debut album if you love what you heard please subscribe and tune in wherever you get your podcasts big love Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.